Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and greetings from Jerusalem. I'm Jonathan Hassan, and today we have a special guest with us, uh, Dr. Rafael Bardachi, who is the CEO of Worldwide uh, Strategy, of uh, Spain's former national security advisor and uh, permanent panelist at TV7's Europa Stands. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, indeed, it's always a pleasure when you're here in Jerusalem, in Israel, obviously, and uh, uh, I'd like to... Uh, hear from you today uh, about different questions that we have received from our viewers and to hear your perspective on this. You've also had uh, multiple uh, interesting discussions, obviously, while you're here and Mm -hmm. and around the world. But how about we open with prayer, as we usually do in this program, and and, uh, dive into today's topic. So if uh, all of you at home will also join me in in prayer and uh, will engage uh, as we usually do. Thank you, Lord, for today, Father. Thank you for the blessing and privilege of being able to be here, to be able to communicate together on uh, topics that truly matter. Father, I pray that you will guide and lead us in our discussion today. Thank you for Rafael for him being here. And Lord, we pray that you will truly uh, impact uh, all of the nations around the world for your name's sake, that we may bring about true difference uh, in a time of strife. We give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Rafael, uh, there are three main topics that I'd like to deliberate today. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have time for all three. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that one of the main topics that uh, are always in the forefront is Iran's nuclear program. There is an unexplainable obsession in the Biden administration to revitalize this agreement. Of course, now with the Iranians sending drones to Russia and and, uh, the protests taking place uh, throughout Iran, uh, it seems less likely, but logic dictates that also before that it wasn't likely. Uh, What can you tell us about that? Well, definitely it would be a very nasty surprise if the American administration would not take into consideration what is happening now, thanks to the bold women demonstration in Iran, for, on the one hand. And on the other, what we are seeing is uh, the direct help to Russia from Iran on drones and on technical equipment to teach them how to use them. No? Those suicide drones that have been taking off the grid in Ukraine the last uh, days. No? I mean, I think it will be politically and scandalous if they don't, if they make just blind eyes to those two really critical phenomenon. Uh, but at the same time, we know that elements within the Biden administration are tweeting and uh, are making assessment on what's happening, diminishing the importance of the drones in Ukraine, diminishing the importance of the demonstration. So uh, this is a disgrace. But sometimes in politics, people are blind to the facts in the ground because they, they, they promote their own ideology. And there are many people in the Biden administration surrounding the president that has been personally invested in, in the GCPOA that uh, Trump uh, eliminated. And, and they want to some kind of revenge and bring him back. No. The problem with the GCPOA essentially is that it doesn't avoid uh, Iran becoming nuclear. It's just a postponement of 15 years. No? Uh, since the 2005 signature. Uh, there were sunset clauses for all the restrictions uh, progressively in place. But if everything were 
in place from the GCPOA, uh, by the end of the, this decade, Iran will be free to follow whatever they decide on the nuclear program and to move, if they decided to do so, to have a nuclear arsenal. No? That's the essential problem of the GCPOA, that it was just buying time. Indeed, we, we have, of course, all the clauses in front of us, and I'm sure the MCR will also uh, place it on the graphics just next to us uh, for all of uh, the people watching us right now to see as well. But, uh, you know, it seems like in 2020, the UN arms embargo already ended as part of the JCPOA. Uh, select UN-sponsored visa bans uh, have also been lifted. Of course, uh, the U.S. tried to prevent that. It failed because of the other members of uh, the uh, Security Council plus Germany that uh, stood against that, ironically, which also include China and Russia. But uh, let's uh, put that aside at this point. Uh, in 2023, in several months' time, uh, U.S. and EU-UK sanctions on select proliferation-linked entities lapses. UN-sponsored ban on imports-exports of missile-related equipment and technology expires. UN prohibition on Iranian ballistic missile launches ends. Uh, and UN-sponsored asset freezes terminate. This means that regardless if they implement the agreement or not, the Iranians are doing all of this already. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. just, they'll just continue. Actually, not they are doing it already, that they are accelerating the whole process, no? Uh, as a member of the high-level military group, we visited Israel and the region several times in the last uh, two years just to assess the advances of, uh, of the Iranian nuclear program. And we produced a report, uh, which is clearly visible to anyone, the conclusion is during the Trump years, the Iranians were basically keeping the same pace of the program as in the past, no? not, not doing anything very provocative, uh, not to trigger any reaction from America. But once Biden took office, I mean, they, they pushed the, 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 the accelerator, no? and they had made much more advances in the last year and a half than in the last 10 years, actually. No? Uh, yesterday, uh, the Institute for Nuclear Proliferation released a new report on the package of new centrifuges being introduced in Fordham. And I think we are reaching a point where Iran has the capability to have all the fissile material they need for a crude device uh, and for a testing if they decided to do so. No? So I think uh, the, the, the red line of what can they say we are a nuclear power uh, is really r reaching us on a, on a faster speed than we never thought. No? And uh, we are only a very little time away from that. Did the Iranians already make the decision? Uh, of course, the the common school of thought says no. They're still deliberating whether to do so or not. But it seems like they all of the the uh, components in the field are so directed towards a nuclear weapon yeah. that at some stage it's not about whether they decided or not. It's about when will it break through to that point uh, and that the decision to deliberate when mm -hmm. is more feasible than whether yeah. to make that decision. Well, I had the, the opportunity, uh, thanks to the Israeli government of the time, to go through the archives that were taken by the intelligence from Iran regarding the nuclear program. And there's something clear. From the very beginning, the goal was to have a program able to produce from six to a dozen nuclear warheads, uh, nuclear warheads. And, uh, and, uh, and what 
also they politically they introduced was we need to do that not in the faster way but in the safest way not to put at risk the regime mm-hmm. and they they were playing with european with american with everyone no? just to conceal what they were doing lying you know all this kind of deception that they, they, they put in front of us no the negotiations to buy time but they were steady steadily going through no? all the all the stages of the, of the, the program now I think they feel safe enough and they are in a faster pace. That's the problem. I think the timeline has shrunk because they consider that the Americans are weak or not willing to risk to take the risk to direct confrontation, that the Europeans are in the middle of uh, internal crisis, energy, Russia, Ukraine, and, uh, and they have some help from outside. Uh, um, I think that the, 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 the scenario where Iran will declare nuclear is, is much shorter than we thought uh, just three years ago. No? There's no deterrence in the Middle East? Uh, to deter the Iranians and for dropping the, the nuclear program at this stage will require a clear, direct military threat. And uh, I, outside Israel, I don't know, I don't see anyone uh, doing that or trying to to preoccupy with the Russians and of yeah. course with China the the uh, current posture and and obviously the American uh, national security strategy which the Biden yeah. administration published uh, it indicates that Plan B is not necessarily militarily also Plan C it's if yeah. diplomacy fails another type of diplomacy will be attempted another type of diplomacy and we're going the same road. Uh, what Einstein said at the time, trying the same methods, just in different ways, it's just pure No, it, it, it is obvious that, that there's always a preference for diplomacy or trade uh, measures or boycotts and sanctions, no? economic sanctions. And I have to say that in the case of Iran, the sanctions that have been in place for 20 years has, has, have achieved something important, which is delay the program for 20 years. I mean, Iran has... I mean, if you want to build a bomb in a, in a, in a democ- democracy, you can do it in three years if you have the expertise and the money. And they have been 20 years uh, trying to get the bomb. No? But now we are we are reach a point where they don't need more time. They have everything in place. They have the design. They have the missile capability. They have the, the, the new designs for pay, reduced payload. They have the fissile material. So it's just combining the, 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 the whole thing when they want. And I think they want it from the very beginning. So... Mm. What should Israel do? Well, they, 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 I mean, they have been in a kind of uh, shadow war, no, with Iran, with through intelligence, you know, the the, the accidents and the elimination of uh, key personnel in the nuclear program has been successful to, to to introduce delays. But I think the delay strategy is reaching a point where it can cannot be efficient any longer. No? So I think establishing a clear deterrence policy vis-à-vis Iran. Uh, is, is, is a vital requirement, no? and uh, putting all what it is in the table to say uh, a nuclear Iran is unacceptable. Okay, you have to be, be more uh, clear now uh, and uh, with a stronger and clear measures. Why are you? Why? What are you going to do if you reach the the, the critical threshold? No? Indeed. Well, obviously, we haven't ex- exhausted this topic, uh, and it's an ongoing issue uh, with uh, 
multiple schools of thought that need to be deliberated and to looked at uh, in order to to thwart a regime that openly calls not only for the elimination of Israel, mm-hmm. it's also openly calling, and this is on the banner of the IRGC, the Islamic Revolutionary Guards, for the elimination of the United States, yeah. for the conquering of Europe. Uh, people don't realize this, but this is part of the regime's ideology. And, and it seems like, uh, you know, in, in uh, the, the woke regimes in the West, yeah. uh, reality is not a factor. It seems that they need to establish their own ultra reality yeah, and try yeah. and convince the enemy of, no, this is not actually what you mean. What you actually mean is so and so. And then uh, obviously the East is uh, utilizing this or the Middle East is utilizing yeah. this in its advantage quite clearly. Yeah, definitely. I think the Middle East is still in the times of the Greek wars, while the West in the rest of the world is in a kind of meta-universe, parallel, totally unrealistic, you know? Indeed. Well, uh, several months before the invasion of Russia into Ukraine, um, we launched a program called Europa Stands. Uh, We will obviously broadcast in uh, roughly a week's time uh, the the next uh, episode. But uh, it seems like uh, in this scenario also, Putin was quite clear about his intentions. The Kremlin was very clear about its intentions. The West, particularly the United States, as well as Europe, uh, within the constellation also of the European Union, they couldn't imagine that Putin actually meant what he said. What is the scenario at this stage? Uh, and very briefly, because I'm sure we'll discuss this more next week, uh which should be uh, approached in, in what school of thought? Yeah. Well, I think that the problem is that still both sides believe that they can win. And unfortunately, in wars, uh, only one can sur- survive. No? Uh, so there is no appetite for any compromise. Mm. So my, my forecast is that the, the war will be there extended on time. Also, because uh, prolongation of the conflict benefit the United States strategy. They want they don't want to 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 bring down Putin tomorrow. They want the man to be rotten slowly and and and, and produce a an progressive erosion of Russia in the global arena no? and they need time. Um so Ukraine is just another Afghanistan or uh Vietnam for that I, matter? I I think so. I think that's the 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 scenario that is more likely to happen, unfortunately for the Ukrainians, that are the one suffering because the United States are fighting Russia till the last Ukrainian, unfortunately, you know, Indeed. because it's from there as a kind of proxy war, warfare. Uh, but if the the the, the cards were in favor of finally of Kiev against Putin and they they, they do military gains in the near future, taking the Donbass uh, and the other annexed. Uh, provinces of eastern Ukraine, I think Putin will have to to make a, a, a dramatic decision whether to increase what they are doing now, the destruction of the civilian infrastructure, mm-hmm. uh, or even to consider the use of a tactical nuclear device. I don't see that point yet. I think it's too risky. This actually happens to be one of the questions uh, uh, that are uh, raised by our, our many of uh, our viewers, our TV7 family of uh, viewers. Is Russia going to utilize such a nuclear weapon? I mean, on a tactical level, not on a, uh, on a strategic level. Well, I think we, we need to bear in mind something, which is in the West, 
the nuclear doctrine since the 50s was that the nuclear arm or weapon is there not to be used, never. Not first used, only as a retaliatory or deterrence measure. But in the, in the Soviet Union, the doctrine was totally different. They thought that the nuclear weapons were weapons to be used in certain scenarios, strategically and tactically, even the mid-range uh, missiles that disappeared in 87. So I think the mentality is different. And that's why also you, you have seen the deployment of tactical weapons in a very smaller units compared to the West. No? Uh, so the doctrine for the employment of tactical nuclear weapon is there. Mm-hmm. For them, it's just a bigger bank, not, not, not something revolutionary. Having said that, a nuclear weapon is something different for me, even a tactical, even if it's underwater, even if it's in a desert, it's a psychological threshold that the West uh, will see as a, as, a, as a really radical step. No, What could be the reaction? I don't know. It's an open world. Well, since Hiroshima and Nagasaki, we never experienced a nuclear, a nuclear explosion. No? But I think it's too risky even for Russia to test this psychological threshold. Also, there are, there are several problems, tactical problems, and depending on where they put it and how they put it, winds predominantly goes to the east. So there may be a cloud coming into Russian soil. So this, it's not so easy as the people tend to believe. Having said that, if they want, they, they will use it because the, the doctrine is there mm-hmm. for the use of tactical nuclear weapons. But politically and psychologically, I think that will really escalate the conflict. And after that, who knows? If such a scenario happens, one of the the schools of thoughts indicates that there is going to be an arms race, a nuclear arms race. Uh, Obviously, certain European countries, even Spain, might uh, deliberate such a a breakthrough, uh, including countries in the East. I think the first ones would be probably uh, South Korea, Japan, uh, and other countries which are under the Western umbrella of nuclear deterrence. do you yeah. believe that uh, because there are indications that faith in American leadership is diminished under uh, the the we have to say it sadly the weak leadership of President Joe Biden? Definitely, I think that's uh, clear. But there's also a trend that has been accelerated and deepened. I think nationalization of security policies is taking place everywhere, from Japan to Saudi Arabia uh, and some European countries. So, yes, we are less reliant on strategic alliance with the United States, even with a strategic institution like NATO. Uh, but it, it takes time. No? I think it will be much dependent on what happens with Ukraine and Russia, but also on what happened here with Iran and, and, the, and, and the potential for proliferation in the region. Obviously, if Iran provokes a nuclear race with Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Morocco, Algeria, uh, the southern Europe will have to take note of that, and that will, will increase the pressure for having those systems as well. No? Iranian breakout into nuclear weapon capabilities is the same impact as Russia utilizing a tactical nuke? Uh, I think it could be even worse. Because the use of tactical weapon, I think, will be confined to the conflict in Ukraine, fortunately, despite the, the damage it can cause. And the relation is almost the West vis-a-vis Russia is kind of bilateral block to block, let's say. You know? In the case of the Iranian becoming nuclear, that will trigger unrest likely in the, those countries surrounding the Iran that feel threatened by the Iranian regime. You know? The first, Saudi Arabia, Emirates, Turkey, 
And if you start Turkey and Saudi Arabia becoming or developing nuclear program, Egypt cannot be left alone. And then you go to Algeria, and because of Algeria, Morocco. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a kind of domino effect. No? And uh, if that happens, the whole equation in the world will change. You know? uh, from Japan to Taiwan, they may release all the, 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 the refrain and constraint they have uh, and, and becoming nuclear as well, no? mm -hmm. and, uh, so to speak. And, and so I think uh, for proliferation, it's much more risky uh, becoming nuclear for Iran than the use of a tactical device in Ukraine. But, you know, there are complex issues, and both will 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 renew the interest for nuclear weapons, definitely. Well, we have roughly seven minutes left for today's program. And I'd like to ask you from Israel's perspective, but also from Israel's allies and partners, what is the most threatening um, issue at this stage, which... Uh, the layman, uh, everybody around who watch also our productions uh, can do in order to stand up for uh, for Israel, for that yeah. matter. Well, I think beside all these strategic nuclear issues no, that we have touched upon, there is a social problem and a philosophical one. I think the, the extension of this, what is called woke mentality or woke philosophy, that started in Frankfurt School of Philosophers and moved to the American universities, is a real and clear and present danger uh, for the Western values um, because they are undermining the institutions that have been in place uh, in the West uh, in the last 70 years, from the family to solidarity, and uh, they will affect, to some extent, the relationship between countries and Israel in the future. I think uh, fighting wokeism, which is a combination of Marxism, communism, and a kind of ingenuity, naive mentality uh, is indispensable. Uh, in the past, we have been fighting all the friends of Israel and all the friends of the West, uh, the BDS campaigns, and I think uh, we didn't understand very well the extent of the damage that can be caused by this weak mentality of the wokeism, no? mm -hmm. uh, because they are producing weak leaders everywhere. And weak leaders tend to refrain from entering into any conflict, and, and that will affect has to affect the relations with uh, with uh, an, a country that is surrounded by violence and enemies and has to fight and defend themselves. No? Walk mentality is about uh, losing all defenses and saying, okay, the rest of the world has the same right as myself and I'm not going to defend myself because of the multicultural problem, diversity, and you, all, all these kind of things. No? Uh, Israel is based on the, the, the need for self-defense is is based on the on the on, on the religion of the Jewish people, and is based on the need to protect themselves uh, forcefully if, if needed, no? and that's going to confront the woke mentality very clearly, and that's a risk I think we need to pay all attention. And that's our, but the benefit is that we can fight that locally where we are, no, from Minnesota to Paris or Madrid or even Jerusalem. You pointed something very interesting. The fact of the matter is. Following World War II and the atrocious murder committed uh, to six million Jews, among millions of others, ultimately uh, brought about the, the inception of the nation state of the Jewish people for the sake of allowing to ensure that never again mm -hmm. would they face such an extermination uh, and uh, therefore would have the tools to defend themselves by themselves. This is something that this woke mentality is 
fighting against. And because it, it says, no, uh, let's open. We see what's happening on the southern border of the United States. Multitudes are flooding yeah. in. We're seeing what's happening in Europe. Multitudes are flooding in. And we're not talking about uh, cultures that seek integration into mm-hmm. society. The, these are cultures, dominant cultures, uh, with rich history of their own, but they want to impose their own history mm-hmm. uh, in in a expansionist uh, attitude. Unfortunately, uh, leaderships are too tentative to public opinion. Yeah. Uh, you know, as as a leader, I'm sure uh, you know you've been in leadership for much of your life, but a leader needs to listen to the people, but not necessarily follow follow their opinions. Uh, He needs to lead them. They need to follow him, not the other way around. Within today's mentality, it seems like all leaders are following the people rather than the other way around. What's that about? Yeah, well, I think uh, because woke mentality has permeated many corners of the society. I mean, if you look at big corporations, you see the ads, it's all about sustainability, integration, uh, uh, gender equality, which is fine. But it demonstrates to me that they understand the social responsibility in a way which is, okay, we are not going to damage anything. We have to subdue our economic logic to this kind of mentality. You go to the military and uh, you see the project for having electric tanks, for instance, no, that that's... That's, I think, is an exaggeration of what they believe they have to do in order to satisfy all this naive, infantile mentality, which I would describe as a vocation, no, basically. Uh, and, uh, and, but it's because it's in the universities, it's in institutions, it's in the armies, in the governments, it's in the companies. I think uh, the, the, the f- is, there is no central front. No, we, we are surrounded already by this work mentality, and we need to fight at all levels. And that's why the leaders, which are weak, uh, whatever they look, they found basically this mentality, and they surrender. No, instead of confronting or creating the condition for a different mentality. You know? So one of the main questions, obviously, is how can everybody at home truly practically bring about this change necessary to to defeat wokeism, to defeat the various challenges that uh, ultimately impact not only the peace of their own countries, but also the peace of Israel and Jerusalem. What should they do? Well, I think they should approach their representatives and demand just pure common sense, uh, telling them that the cancellation policy is unacceptable, that safe space at the university is something surreal, that the issue of transgenderism has to be thoroughly discussed before moving forward in a fast pace. All this kind of stuff that uh, are undermining the traditional institution, the family, the education. And I think that's a clear message. They have to ask for the representative to defend all these values, because if not, what what we are left with. Absolutely. (laughs) Biblical values are under attack, but this is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much, Dr. Baradaghi, for being part of today. And of course, I'll see you next week. And uh, until then, I'd like also to thank all of you at home. Uh, Keep praying for the situation. Follow up on what Dr. Baradaghi just suggested. Discuss with your representatives. And uh, let's make that change together. Thank you so much. Until next time. Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.